Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? Going well, traveling with Dr. Rainer this week up in Lincoln, Nebraska. First time I've been here, we're staying in the shadow of Memorial Stadium. Uh, I know your dad would probably enjoy this trip because, you know, we're hanging out with the statue of Tom Osborne, walked by it today. Yes, probably, probably would. Um, I have not spent a ton of time in Nebraska myself. I don't have, I haven't had much reason to, to be that way. I know, Amy, it's, it's been a good week for you. You have kicked off your SBC class that you are co-teaching at Southeastern this week. Yeah, this has been really fun. So all, all the seminaries have classes uh, that they will, you know, will take groups. And it's a good opportunity to show the students, a lot of them going to the SBC for the first time. And uh, so we have a class that's been at Southeastern for years. And uh, Nathan Finn has always taught it. But this year, uh, he's at at. U- in university. So um, Dr. Brent O'Quinn, who teaches uh, American history and Baptist history here at Southeastern, uh, he is is teaching the class and I've gotten the chance to co-teach and talk some about just the processes, really prepare the students for what they will see when they get there. So I was all into SBC uh, nerd mode today. And yesterday was our meeting of our uh, staff and faculty just to go over kind of logistics. And so between yesterday afternoon and and today, uh, I just can't get enough. And speaking of SBC nerddom, we we have a correction to make. We do, and it kills me to have to make a correction. Yes. Ah. We we goofed up on the SBC um, timeline here for resolutions last week on last week's episode. We did. We're trying. We're juggling all these. I think I goofed up, and you just kind of went along with me, not realizing I'd made a mistake. You know, my memory is so foggy on this that I don't know. But I'll go with that. Let's let's just stick with that being the story. It's just so. I was like, yeah, sure, because I knew there were forty-five day deadlines, there were seventy-five day deadlines, everything. But let's make it clear. It was on the part about the resolutions committee, where we said. The deadline's passed. It's over because you got all these different dates and deadlines. That is not correct. So humility is a good thing for us, Jonathan. Yes. Jason Dusing is uh, making sure we are humble. We can't, we can't get it right all the time, um, but that's okay because we come back. So, so here's, the, here's the story, folks. If you're listening and you were writing your resolution and you – just threw it down in frustration, pick your pencil back up, start back again, there's still time. You can get it in. Yes, a 15-day deadline on that. So basically, you have until Memorial Day. Yeah, and if I were you, get it in before Memorial Day. That's a great weekend. Spend time with your family. So I'd I'd say shoot for that Friday before. All right. Well, we made that clarification. So 15-day deadline on resolutions, not 45. There's, There's deadlines like crazy, so... Um, right. And the clarification, even if I don't remember for sure, the clarification that it was it was your fault. We'll stick with that. Before we get going with this week's episode, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by 2028.co. That's T-W-E-N-T-Y, the number two, the number eight dot C-O. It's powered by Lifeway, the world's largest provider of Christian resources. Christ himself calls us to give. 2028 makes it easy for your members to be the stewards God has called them to be. 
Start taking advantage of e-giving today through 2028. The more your congregation uses it, the less you pay for other 2028 services. Get started today at 2028.co. That's T-W-E-N-T-Y 28.co. All right, let's jump into the news this week. Big news coming out of uh, California. Actually, California Lifeway in Missouri. We have three big departures this week. State Executive Director Fermin Whitaker is retiring, uh, announced his retirement uh, from the California State Executive Director's position. Yeah, man, 22 years of service. This is just great. He's been doing that since 1995. You know, I, I have not actually met Fermin Whitaker. I, he has done, a, he did a panel for us at the SBC a few years back um, at a Hispanic leaders breakfast. But uh, I've heard such wonderful things about him. And so uh, he, he's just made a, a tremendous contribution uh, to the California State Baptist Convention. So this is, this, is a big, this is a big one. Yes, I've met Fermin a few times, uh, and he is a great guy and had a, a good time with him uh, every time I've been around him. Met his son a few times as well, Carlos Whitaker. Yeah, Carlos. So, um, is he, he's there in Nashville, right? Yeah, he's here in Nashville. Uh, most of you may know him uh, from his online persona, Los Wit, on Twitter. Um, but uh, that, that or is... his or his viral video. Yes, or his People Choice Award that he won. It was a great. He he had one of those videos uh, that went viral where it was a kid like videoing the kids in the car, and it was hilarious. It was I, I loved it. So that's going to be another state convention executive director position that'll come open. We'll uh, kind of keep track of all the goings on with that one, see what they come up with. Uh, and who fills that position when uh, Fermin Whitaker leaves his post? A reminder that the Montana executive director position is also open right now, as well as Maryland, Delaware. That one has still not been officially filled. Um, but uh, Montana, I know, is taking applications for candidates, I think, through the end of May. So a couple of state convention executive director jobs are open now in the SBC. All right, moving on over to Lifeway. Big news this week in my neck of the woods, Ed Stetzer is leaving Lifeway Research to join Wheaton College as the chair of the Billy Graham uh, Center of Evangelism. That one, uh, that really took the news cycle earlier this week and uh, very uh, major news. I know that's going to be a a real shift, a real change for you guys. And uh, certainly you and I both worked with Ed for a while and, um, but man, that this is a big thing that that he's going to do. He's going to go to Wheaton College. He'll join uh, the faculty there July one, and he will be the executive director of the Billy Graham Center for Evangelism. And he will also have an endowed chair, uh, the Billy Graham Distinguished Endowed Chair for Church Mission and Evangelism. So he's going to have sort of a post where he really focuses in the area of missiology. Yeah, I really enjoyed the the tweets that Ed was sending out on Monday about this. He he did like a little Q and A about everything, and somebody sent me yeah. all right, which chair is it? And they they sent a lot of pictures of Billy Graham sitting in chairs, uh, which <laughs> I always get a kick out of whenever people say the the blank chair of whatever. I, right. I envision an actual chair. So when somebody sent that in, I, I was like, that's really good. That's funny stuff right there. I, I thought the the tweets that I thought were funny, one was where someone said something about, are you going to, I can't remember if it was take a picture with the Billy Graham statue or some, it was something in reference to the Billy Graham statue that's outside of the current Lifeway building, just making that connection. Uh, but then also several funny tweets like, is the goatee going to stay in Nashville or, you know, the, those types of things. 
I thought that was uh, was very funny. But he's made a lot of contributions, obviously, through Lifeway Research uh, in the world of church planting. He uh, has has uh, spoken into cultural trends. Uh, but one just huge area that he can speak into is missiology. And this is a spot where he will make uh, a tremendous contribution. So Yes, and he'll still be affiliated with Lifeway and uh, the Southern Baptist Convention through that. Still be a part of Lifeway through a consultant role, as well as uh, his his role as the editor of the Gospel Project with Trevin Wax and uh, the New Churches Initiative with Daniel M. that we have over at Lifeway. So still be involved somewhat at Lifeway, uh, just not not in the same capacity as before as a vice president. You know, moving on to Wheaton. So I wish him all the best. And uh, you know, Ed's the reason I was at Lifeway. I think also the reason you were at Lifeway. Um, so that's you know, correct. He hired he hired us both. Yeah, yeah. Both of us personally owe Ed uh, a debt of gratitude. So we appreciate him and everything he's done for us for Lifeway, and wishing the best at Wheaton. All right, moving on to Missouri, Amy, the Word and Way editor Bill Webb will be retiring this year. Yeah, just after celebrating his twentieth anniversary as editor, uh, that's a Missouri Baptist paper. Um, so it's been around for for a long time, and uh, he's stepping down after a, a long career. Uh, but that's just more changes in the the world of uh, state papers, and so we we're watching these things. I get a lot of these papers at my office and uh, read them. But that's just another it's another announcement. We're seeing changes in editors. We're seeing changes in editorial schedules and even uh, editorial platforms and publishing platforms for state papers. So. Definitely a time of change in the Baptist media world. All right, Amy, big news Monday and probably some celebration over at the ERLC offices as well as uh, the abortion mandate case was returned to the lower courts. Yeah, not just over uh, at the ERLC offices, but at Guidestone yeah. uh, for sure and as Truett well. And McConnell, who we'll talk about in just a minute. Right, right. So we've talked about this case a lot on the podcast. Uh, particularly when it was being argued. This is uh, the case that involved um, the abortion uh, slash contraception mandate uh, in Obamacare. Uh, the one that we used to say, watch the news. If you see little sisters of the poor, know that Guidestone is involved as well, uh, along with some of our our, uh, our universities. So this is where it was it, it was taken up saying that Asking employers to make certain contraceptives available to their workers, requiring, not just asking, requiring them, including ones that can potentially induce abortions, that uh, that these ministry organizations did not want to be required to offer that, uh, to make, make that available. So we it was appealed all the way up to the Supreme Court, um, saying this just puts an undue burden for us to be able to sort of live out our faith. Um, that that we can't, we just can't do this. So it goes all, it all the way to the Supreme Court. So we, we had a major uh, event in American history a while back when uh, Antonin Scalia died that while that was just tragic in general and difficult, but we also knew that, that there was a case that was before the court, and so we were facing a potential, you know, potential 4-4 ruling in this. And so everyone's been watching it. Well, essentially what happened. So um, it's hard to say that this is, you you can't totally say this is a a win or a a ruling in our favor. What you can say is um, it's a, it was a good decision. It was a good day. Um, 
because we we continued to sort of live to see another day. What they did is they said we are not going to we're not going to register an opinion. We're going to send this back to the lower courts um, to to figure this out and to to work this out. They said the appeals court should give both parties an opportunity to arrive at an approach going forward that accommodates petitioners' religious exercise while at the same time ensuring that women covered by petitioners' health plans receive full and equal health coverage, including contraceptive coverage. So they basically sent it back and they said we're not gonna we're not gonna say that the government can find the little sisters of the poor if they're just refusing to to bow down. So they sent it back. It's still in the courts. There's still work that has to be done on this. But if we had seen a four four tie, then it wouldn't be sent back. It would just be sort of a ruling standing. And so they said we're not going to rule this way. That's that's where it sits, and uh, we I think we see this. This is a good thing. This is a, a, a good thing, and a lot of people spoke into this. O.S. Hawkins, um, Russell Moore, saying this is a very very good day for religious liberty. All right, and speaking, we mentioned it earlier. Speaking of Truett McConnell, they have moved to university status now. Uh, so, Amy, kind of tell us what the difference in what Truett McConnell College and Truett McConnell University, what's the difference there? Because I know we've seen that with a few Baptist colleges over the past few years, uh, William Carey being another one uh, right down the street from where I went to college at Southern Miss. Uh, William Carey there in Hattiesburg went from William Carey College to William Carey University, and now we're seeing it with Truett McConnell. Uh, yeah. The difference, uh, your husband deals a lot with accreditation and, and this kind of thing, so what's the difference there? Right. So essentially, I mean, university status is a move that shows like a growing academic institution that is growing into sort of a a research that that research is a part of what they do, uh, that there are graduate degree programs. There are more, you know, additional programs. It's it's they're building on what they're doing, kind of becoming a fully fleshed out. Um, institution. So their strategic plan put them into uh, into a place where they could actually change to university status. Now they go through this with their um, accreditors, things like that. But they are are able to sort of they're able to call themselves that, and that's a that's a an evidence of their growth, and not just growth. We're not just talking about numbers, but their development as a school. Um, so this is very, very good news for them. Very positive. Okay, so congratulations to Truett McConnell University and uh, the Georgia Baptists uh, for that. Uh, Truett McConnell's located in uh, North Georgia, up there just north of Atlanta. So uh, congratulations to them on university status. All right, moving on to the SBC annual meeting. Got some more interviews this week, Amy. We had some published interviews at Baptist Press of all three of the presidential candidates, J.D. Greer, Steve Gaines, and David Crosby, all answered a series of questions provided to them by Baptist Press. The links for all three of those are at sbcthisweek.com. You can go straight to those, check those out. And we have an interview uh, with Doug Mutton, who is going to be nominated as the first vice president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Before we get to the interview with Doug Mutton, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you again by 2028.co. For all your e-giving needs and any technological needs your church may have, contact 2028.co. That's T-W-E-N-T-Y-2-8.co. Here's our interview this week with Doug Mutton. 
Joining us this week on SBC This Week is Doug Mutton. Doug is the pastor at First Baptist Church O'Fallon, Illinois, in the greater St. Louis area. Doug, for, thanks for joining us. Oh, glad to be here. All right, so Doug, you have been uh, nominated or will be nominated for the position of first vice president of the Southern Baptist Convention at this summer's annual meeting there in St. Louis. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Let us uh, get to know you a little bit and uh, know the guy who, who will be nominated for first vice president of the SBC. Well, it's an exciting story, and I think they'll make a Hollywood movie of it pretty soon, I'm sure. But uh, And I want Denzel to play me if you're going to have someone play that, just by the way, just for your information. I grew up in Illinois. My um, my dad was a uh, my da- actually my dad and grandpa were saved in a revival meeting at a church in uh, Southern Baptist Church in Illinois. My dad my grandpa was a drunkard and dad had never been to church. It's a really unusual story. And they came to know Christ and it was an SBC church and so that was in the 1930s. My dad was a little boy and so my dad became a bivocational uh, SBC pastor here in the state. I went uh, gone seminary days, but I've been back here now. I've been the pastor here for a little more than 20 years at First Baptist O'Fallon. It's a, it's a neat place, and um, it's pretty. It's a great story. Though I'm sure they're going to make a movie of it. I'm, it's a great story. It's too much to miss. You've been a pastor. How, how long have you been at First Baptist O'Fallon then? A little over 20 years now. I was a pastor for 10 years in Texas, and then I've been here for, it'll be 21, uh, 21 years this summer. Okay, and, and tell us about the ministry and how you've seen uh, God move there in First Baptist O'Fallon. I know it's one of the largest churches. Is it the largest church in Illinois, uh, Southern Baptist yeah, I guess, Church? I guess so. I guess so. Um, you, you know, Illinois is an unusual place for SBC work. Like I said, it's really it's an old work in many ways. My grandfather, as I said, got saved in an SBC church. So uh, a lot of the downstate uh, churches that were Baptist Long ago, in the Northern and Southern Baptist days, uh, the Northern Baptist Convention split into a million things. Many of the churches downstate joined the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, partly because of their to the Bible and mission. So, um, so it's been a great church, and we're 100 and we're started in 1867. So we're you know almost 150 years old. And uh, the church has grown steadily. We're near an Air Force base, so we have a lot of Air Force types that come in and out all the time. I mean, they, they move in and move out all the time. So it's really different. That ministry is really different. We're kind of in suburbia, so it's been a great church, and God's blessed. We've steadily and gotten more heavily involved in missions and made, a we hope, a little bit of an impact. All right, and you live on the Illinois side of the Mississippi River there, uh, and kind of near the border of Illinois and Missouri. Uh, the the impact that St. Louis has maybe on on your ministry over in Illinois is there any kind of crossover ministry there? Yeah, of course. I mean, we're um, a lot of our folks work downtown, and so they cross the river and follow the Cardinals and all the sports teams on that side of the river, that sort of thing. And we're connected. I think probably probably about twenty percent of the uh, metropolitan area is on the Illinois side. Most people don't know that, but. So we have, I and mean, we're influenced by St. Louis in every way, and have some impact on them. But uh, and we'll do crossover events for the Southern Baptist Convention being here in June. Tell us a little bit about your vision for the SBC, and you know, kind of where you see the denomination currently, and, and kind of what you would like to see for the future of the SBC. Jonathan, I, I actually kind of I just asked that question myself, and I, I wrote out seven things. I said I want to encourage the SBC in seven areas. So I'll just say those if you're okay with that. 
I'm really an encourager at heart. Barnabas is maybe my favorite Bible character, and I just love encouragement. I, I want to be a good encourager to others. And so I said I want to encourage the convention in, in seven areas. So maybe not in any particular order, but these seven things. I said I want to encourage cooperative missions and support for the cooperative program. I believe in the cooperative program. It's a great program. I think someday – and we have a tendency sometimes to not appreciate the blessings that we have. You know, if you grew up in the North as a Southern Baptist, it's odd. You know, if you're in the South, you're a Southern Baptist. That's that's not so odd. But here, it's odd to people. And so maybe because of that, we appreciate the good things in the convention more than most. And the cooperative program has effective tool. And I said, if we throw that away, somewhere down the line, some smart seminary students, say, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, say, you know, I've come up with a great way to really cooperate in missions and they'll come up with the same program that we're kind of in danger of throwing away now. I, I just believe it's a it's a, got great potential. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I want to encourage uh, our IMB missionaries and mission involvement in churches. My daughter, I've got four uh, four children. IMB missionary in Madagascar. We care deeply about missions. We've got several families from our church that are serving with the IMB. I just want to encourage them. I think it's a time of discouragement for them in many ways. Obviously, the and has had to downsize, and I just I want to encourage them that we are for them, we are with them, and I pray we're going to support them in prayer and in giving. The number three, I said, one, I want to encourage uh, prayer for revival and spiritual awakening. I love Ronnie Floyd's emphasis on revival. We need, if I'd say the greatest need for the SBC, that's it. We need revival. We need a real awakening of believer in our world. And then number four, encourage and strengthen ethnic involvement within the SBC. I'd like to see us um, really just be proactive about that, and we are a diverse denomination ethnically. I love that, and I want our churches that way. I want that to be a part of our community, um, top to bottom. The number five, encourage church revitalization and church planting. Really see us do both of those things, by the way. Church planting, we're emphasizing well, and I want to emphasize church revitalization. We need that as well. Then number six, Encourage evangelistic passion to remember people are lost without Christ and they need Jesus Christ as Savior. And then number seven is to encourage pastors and other ministers. I think a lot of ministers are discouraged, and I'd love, I just want to be an encouragement to them in these hard days. Hard, it's a hard time for ministry. What are, what are some of the maybe the practical ways that, that you, you know, are working at O'Fallon, our First Baptist O'Fallon, to, to maybe accomplish some of those on a local level? You know, I mean, it really does come down to the local church, doesn't it, in so many ways. One of the great things about our denomination is that we're really, uh, we center on the local church, and that's how it ought to be. So things like ethnic involvement, for example, I mean, I want our church to look more like the kingdom of God, more like our community. And so over time, you know, we've just had to be proactive about this. We were a white church. People used to say, that's a white church. And I, I said, you know, we're not a white church. I mean, I, I know I'm Caucasian, but we are a church. And over time, we've just been We've said we're going to be committed to reaching people of all races. And God's just you know, done that in our church. And I think if you're, if we'll do that as a denomination and we'll be proactive about this, it will be a great blessing, our denomination and to the cause of Christ and really uh, to our nation for that matter. So some things are just got to be intentional. Evangelism does not happen by accident. We have to be intentional about that. It's sort of like in a local church. We tend, uh, you grease the squeaky wheels, they say, and so the people who are already here that have problems and needs, of course, 
we think about them. But we have to choose to think about people who aren't even here yet and to love those people, even though they don't, they're not in our church services yet. They're not, we have to care about them, think about them, plan for them, reach them, love them, share the gospel with them. And I think that's really the heart of Christ. And so a lot of it is just to be intentional or even building relationships with pastors. Um, I, I don't think in my ministry years I've ever seen pastors more isolated than they are today. It's harder for us to gather. We don't tend to go to meetings as well. And we need each other. We need, we need to encourage each other. We need to strengthen each other. All of that takes intentionality. All of that takes intentionality. Doug, thanks for joining us today. Uh, one last word that you'd like to, to leave the listeners you know they're they're coming to St. Louis. Uh, they're going to be in your area. Uh, just a word of encouragement that you you'd like to pass on to them as they make it to St. Louis. And I hope they do come to St. Louis. It's a great city. We've got our problems uh, like everywhere else. And I tell you, we've got lostness here. There are many people here who have never really heard the message of the gospel clearly a single time. And so I hope you'll come. And um, you know. It's, one of the great privileges we have is to gather at this one annual meeting. We can participate, where we can hear preaching, where we can participate in the process. And I hope you'll enjoy St. Louis while you're here, too. Share the message of the gospel with others. Love people who are here. And, you know, I, I love the Bible Belt. I love the Bible Belt. But I do want to remember that there are many, many needs outside the Bible Belt. Really, St. Louis is at the start of that whole vast mission field north and West that desperately needs of the gospel. And so I hope folks will have a great time in St. Louis this year. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Doug. Thank you. It was great to have you. Thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate it very much. God bless you. Thank you for that, Jonathan. Uh, We just appreciate the opportunity to hear from Pastor Munton before we get to St. Louis. Yes. And uh, sorry about the audio quality on that one. I'm not sure what was going on. We did not have a very good connection and I uh, really struggled trying to get the audio uh, done with that. So I uh, apologize for the audio quality, but it was good to hear uh, Doug's thoughts anyway. Uh, look forward to meeting him in St. Louis. Amy, that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Blow our minds. We're going to go to 1951 uh, to an article in Baptist Press announcing a new seminary. Oh, what seminary would that be, Amy? That would be the new Southern Baptist Southeastern Theological Seminary. That's how they actually said it in the announcement. Southern Baptist Southeastern Theological Seminary. Um, so I do like the way that got switched. Yeah, that would have uh, been a mouthful. Be, yes, it would have been quite a bit. Uh, so there was a meeting of the Board of Trustees. Um, so this was kind of out there already, but it was this announcement. It was the announcement that it would open in September of 1951. Wow, that was quick. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, I think the development had been coming because they had applications in hand, but they had a meeting of the board that had been established in Edgewater, Mississippi. So I thought that was interesting that uh, they were in Mississippi for this meeting. Uh, Dr. Sidner Staley, the president uh, of the school uh, for our first president, said, you know, gives this meeting, and then it says the opening was enthusiastically and unanimously voted by the board. So they're announcing it's going to be doors opening in September. At this point, over 300 applications had been received by the officers um, of the Board of Trustees, but it said enrollment would be 
greatly limited that classes would only be open to first-year students who expect to study uh, for the uh, BD degree, which I would assume that means Bachelor of uh, Divinity degree. And then it says it will the school will open on the campus of Wake Forest College. Uh, gave a statement of a working relationship with the college, and that was endorsed by President Harold Tribble, um, which, of course, any of those uh, of you out there who were at the SEC in New Orleans, my first thought was, is there any relation I'm to I believe, the same Richard thing. Tribble? Yeah. Um, so, Mr. Tribble uh, from uh, New Orleans, uh, the the most the motions parliamentary expert. Uh, if you are out there, we would love to know if you're related to Harold Tribble. Um, so anyway, this is just kind of fun, a, a neat thing. When I jumped on it, I said, hey, that that's pretty cool. Uh, they said they listed several faculty members. Uh, Dr. Staley would be teaching missions and one or two more faculty members may be added before the opening of the school in September. Also, this is kind of interesting, uh, just an added little story. We had, maybe it was a year, year or two ago, uh, a, a big, there was a big day and uh, Jonathan Six in the alumni office is uh, dressed up for the day because there was a very special campus tour that was coming, and it was going to be um, a, a student from our first graduating class. So he was coming as a man, and oh, I think he was in his like 90s, and his son was bringing him, and he had not been on the campus in a long time. So everyone was pretty excited about it. Well, when he got there, uh, Jonathan took him to the registrar's office to find his file. He had had them go to the vault or whatever and find his file. They opened it up, and they they didn't know this. The man didn't even know this. He was actually the very first student ever enrolled, and he had student ID number one. Wow. Yeah, so when I read this, it says over 300 applications. I thought, well, his application must have been in there uh, because he would have enrolled that September and he would have been the very first student. So he just visited campus uh, a year or two ago. But anyway, I'm sitting here uh, recording from Wake Forest tonight after a long day at Southeastern Seminary. But uh, that all started this week in SBC history. That's very cool. 65 years. Yeah. Southeastern can retire now. 65. So, <laughs> I guess so. We'll reach out to Guidestone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to bring us to the resource of the week. My resource of the week is Search, a new book by William Vanderblumen. Uh, if you listen to my other podcast that I do with Dr. Tom Rainer, you hear us talk about Vanderblumen Search Group and everything that William does for churches. Well, he has put out a book now uh, with B&H uh, that is basically a handbook for pastor search committees. And it includes about 60 pages of uh, useful appendices at the back of the book. It has everything from how to evaluate sermons to uh, agendas for meetings for pastor search committees. So if your church is currently in the uh, need of a pastor and has a pastor search committee or uh, will be forming one soon or has one you know, about to form, uh, this is a great resource. Uh, actually, it's just a really a good resource to have on hand. Uh, if you know if you are part of a church or part of a personnel team, anything like that, or if you're a candidate for a job, because it also has candidate assessment uh, information and how you can assess the church and things you can do to prepare yourself. So it's it's both for the church and for the candidate. Uh, this book, Search, by William Vanderblumen. Amy, your resource of the week is. Yeah, mine is uh, Missional Motherhood, which is a new book coming out by Gloria Furman. And uh, the subtitle is The Everyday Ministry of Motherhood and the Grand Plan of God. It's going to be hitting, uh, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be releasing 
in just a few weeks on May 31st. So I've been seeing a lot about this. This is one I'm looking forward to. Um, just talking about how it can often feel uh, just never ending, all sorts of, of uh, constant work, laundry, cleaning up, dirty diapers, all of that. Uh, things that I can really remember when the kids were small. But the truth is sometimes we we have long long days or things that, that sometimes you think, Man, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know how the Great Commission speaks into this, and so she actually takes uh, motherhood that role and, and tells what uh, how that fits into the the Great Plan uh, and the mission of God. So I'm very excited about this this book. Gloria Furman puts out a lot of great things. I think this is going to be a great uh, resource for moms everywhere. All right. Well, thanks for that. I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to get a copy of that for Beth. I know she would enjoy that as well. So I appreciate that suggestion. So that's Missional Motherhood by Gloria Furman, Amy's Resource of the Week, and my Resource of the Week, Search by William Vanderblumen, uh, Pastor's Search Committee Handbook. So check those out. All the links of everything we've discussed today is at sbcthisweek.com on the show notes today. All right, and that's going to do it for our episode this week. We want to remind you a few things coming up. We've got our big SBC preview episode coming in just a couple of weeks. It'll be that first week in June. Uh, we'll get that together for you. Also, I talked to Amy this week to Julio Adiola of Cross Church, mm. the music director for this year's convention. Uh, he's agreed to join us again, so I'm going to try to get in touch with him this week, uh, get some information about the music again at the SBC annual meeting. I know he's got Keith and Kristen Getty joining him, and uh, we'll see what other tricks he may have up his sleeve uh, for the music this year at uh, the SBC annual meeting. And also, I'm going to try to get Ronnie Kurtz, if I can, uh, to give us a overview of St. Louis. He's a St. Louis native and a student at Midwestern Seminary, a friend of mine, and I met him, just a real sharp student up there at Midwestern, and uh, going to get him to give us a St. Louis overview as we head into the convention as well. So a couple nice. of good interviews coming up, big SBC preview coming up as well uh, in the next couple of weeks. And uh, Amy, we've got some breakfasts we want to promote before we get done here. A Lifeway breakfast on Wednesday morning with Tom Rainer, Eric Geiger, Kevin Smith, uh, Ron Edmondson, Sam Rainer, and a host of others. Uh, it's going to be a great time there. And also you have your Women's Leadership Breakfast sponsored by Southeastern and NAM. Correct. Yes, that's at the same time uh, on Wednesday morning. And uh, so th those will be going on. Natasha Robinson and Kathy Sharp are speaking. and But lots of other stuff. I was telling the students today, uh, and I kept getting things confused in my mind. I'd say, well, this one's going to be on Monday. And, and th no, this one will be on Monday. This one will be on Tuesday. There's so much going on. Um, there will never be a moment where we can't be uh, learning or doing something or participating. It's going to just uh, wind us up and go. And, and likely never a moment we won't be able to eat. Keep seeing more and more lunches, dinners, and everything. We've got the NAM lunch on Monday afternoon at, at lunch. We have the IMB dinner Monday night. Tuesday morning, there's a big replicate breakfast. Uh, that's one that I, I know we've had circled on our calendars for a while. Check that one out, Replicate Ministries Breakfast at SBC. We'll have J.D. Greer, Steve Gaines, David Platt, and Johnny Hunt on the panel there with Robbie Gallaty. So that's gonna that that should be a great one. Then at lunch on Tuesday, you have two different options. You have the B twenty one lunch or the for the church lunch, sponsored by Midwestern and Lifeway. Uh, both fantastic panels there. And and then Tuesday night, I'm not sure there's any uh, major dinners, uh, but the Tuesday night's the big prayer service that we have. And then Wednesday morning, you, we just mentioned our breakfasts. Wednesday afternoon, you have the lunches. Uh, at the seminaries yes. and, and then you know wednesday night is 
you know, kind of collapse into your bed after a long couple of days. Right. If I'm going to complain about anything, anything, it's going to be the fact that as these things all get packed in, we have the, all this opportunity for great content. I, it's important to me to be able to sample the local cuisine. So I'd look up all these restaurants and I think I got to go there and there and there. And then I can't ever find a time to go. Yeah, because you have uh, a meeting so, and a lunch and a meeting and a dinner. I and know because it's all packed in. And then yeah. even, even so, whenever we do have that, we have ones that we can't make it because you have a Southeastern right. one the same time as a Life one. So you can't come to the Life one. I wouldn't be going to the Southeastern one anyway. Uh, but on Tuesday at lunch, I mean, we can only make <laughs> for the church or the B21 one. And then on yes. Wednesday... Obviously, we can only make it to one seminary lunch. It would be it would be kind of neat to do a progressive lunch through the seminary lunches. Maybe we can talk to the the council of seminary presidents and see do if we could do that. Course, six yeah. course meal. Yeah, we'll I just like you that. just have a table set up for me and Amy. We'll just bounce from room to room and just try all your food, and we'll just we'll get, rate them get at the end each of the one. Day. I love it. I love it. Um, we are going to get in on Friday before, so we'll get some time to to enjoy uh, a, a few things. Keith and I'll check check some things out. I got a donut place. I got to try so. Ooh. Anyway, I, you, looking you forward must share to that information. I th- wait till the preview okay. episode. We'll wait on the preview episode. All right, sounds yes. good. All right, well, thanks again for joining us this week on SBC. This week, we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>